Welcome into episode 19 of the By the Numbers Sports Analytics Podcast. Uh, another day, and we are we are loaded with more sports news. And most recently, the NBA draft took place last week, and we are here today to break down the results, uh, talk about the teams who may have had the best drafts, you know, any surprise players that may have gone earlier or later than usual, and and really digest everything that's gone down. Uh, my name is Noah, and I'm joined by uh, one other guest today, uh, co-host Andrew Johnson. How, Andrew, how's it going? Uh, going great, Noah. Uh, we're a bit uh, shorthanded today, but uh, uh, nonetheless, can't be more excited to, 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 to uh, talk the NBA draft because uh, lots of great picks, lots of uh, big uh, storylines as well. So let's get going. Awesome. So I guess we can start with the top 10 picks. You got the you know, the top 10 players going. Even you know going into the draft, there was a – a thought that we would know what, who the top six players would be. And even looking at the the top of the draft, you had some surprises uh, in that top 10. What, what were your takeaways from from those first 10 picks? Yeah, uh, for sure. So uh, for those of you who don't know, um, I'm a big NBA draft fan. I'm just like pro drafts in uh, general. Um, I did a lot of background on the NBA draft this year uh, with my mock draft I made uh, for our website. Uh, but then also just consuming uh, media just every single day. Like, it's kind of crazy how much I kind of read into it. I thought that uh, overall, I think analysts like to uh, drive up the drama around the top 10 by claiming that there's like bigger reaches than there actually are. Um, overall, I thought um, maybe w- like with the exception of one player, uh, the top 10 players were picked in the top 10 picks, which I think is always good uh, for franchises. Um, we can start, I guess, at the top. Obviously, uh, the Pistons took Kay Cunningham. Um, that pick has been set in stone, I think, you know, since since last year, even. Um, he was the consensus number one prospect at a high school and did uh, nothing but um, cement his draft stock in his freshman season at, at Oklahoma State. Um, I think so. When I was watching the draft, uh, I think it was like one of the ESPN analysts was talking about how it's the first. Um, like number one overall pick Detroit's had since in like 33 years, um, which they took Grant Hill with. Uh, so I think, you know, they were in desperate need for a player of uh, Cade's caliber. Um, I think, you know, he's a, a legitimate franchise changing talent. Um, you know, I thought the draft was fun just because of how crazy Kendrick Perkins's takes were all night. Um, it was, it was wild. Uh, just for the record, he compared Jonathan Kaminga to Jordan Bell, uh, which is just beyond crazy. But back to Cade, uh, he said Cade Cunningham was the most talented player since LeBron James in the 03 draft. Um, pretty big take. Uh, Jay Billis said that this draft was the deepest uh, since that 03 draft, um, which, you know, he's a respectable analyst. So, I mean, overall, you know, with the talent at the top of this draft, um, to have a player as consensus as Cade, just goes to show um, how incredible of a talent he is. Um, and I think the Pistons got a real gem at the top of the draft, a guy that can challenge for an all-star spot in his rookie season. I uh, guess we can just talk about like alternate, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking at least like when I'm looking at this top 10, the first pick that I look at, you see the the top three, you know, we've talked about those guys a little bit and you know, those are kind of the three expected Kate Cunningham to the Pistons, Jalen Green to the Rockets. Uh, and Evan Mobley of the Cavs. But then number four, we have a little bit of a, of a change with the Raptors taking Scotty Barnes out of Florida State. And it was a little bit of a surprise. I mean, so, some were thinking Scotty Scotty Barnes could have come this high, and you know, 
know, maybe shouldn't be such a surprise, but uh, Jalen Suggs was probably locked in for that spot or some people could have had him higher. This was probably the first surprise. And just, at least just thinking about the Raptors draft strategy, I think it speaks to the premium they put on lengthy wings who can defend because you look at, you know, OG and Anobi, Pascal Siakam have gone through that developmental system and been able to establish offensive games to certain extents. Um, and I think the Raptors are betting on their developmental staff to be able to, to um, build Scotty Barnes's, you know, offensive game, which is a big question mark and, and be able to, to shoot because we know Barnes is going to be a lockdown defender immediately at a size guarding multiple positions, but it's really about, you know, developing that, that, that defensive game. And we're not about talk about free agency now, but Kyle Lowry's headed out the door. So the Raptors are entering a, a new period um, in their franchise. So it's, it's kind of in the middle of a rebuilding period and, you know, having really an asset where you don't have a lot of guys in the league who have this size and this ability to guard. And, you know, if he can develop that, the shot or some, some more offensive equity, then he's going to be, you know, a dangerous player in the future. And, if you look at the guys they already have, this pick makes total sense, despite um, it being a little bit surprising to me at the time. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, you know, people in the media and in just basketball in general uh, like to use the term reach a lot. I wouldn't call Barnes a reach at number four because he's more than talented to, to be picked there. Um, it, it was more of just a surprise because, you know, J- with the need they had a point guard with, with Kyle Lowry departing uh, to now Miami, um, you know, the fit of Jalen Suggs on day one being one of the most pro-ready prospects in the draft seemed pretty obvious. Um, but I think, you know, I think they do plan to play Scotty Barnes at point guard, which is crazy because he's six, nine and um, is a non-shooter, but he's so athletic and um, such a good defensive player that I think they're planning on playing him at point guard. Um, I would have taken Jalen Suggs because um, you know, there was obviously uh, it was easy to talk about how ESPN and uh, Bleacher Report, all those big uh, newspaper sites, they had a consensus top four players basically since the end of March Madness. And uh, Barnes was not one of those four players. Um, you know, I thought Jalen Suggs could have gone number two to the Rockets and it wouldn't have been a big deal uh, just because of how advanced of a playmaker he is and how, you know, the term culture changer gets uh, tossed around a lot. But I do think that he's such a winning player. Um, and impacts winning in like so many different ways. And I think it would have been a great pick there. Um, but with Barnes, um, I do think that, uh, you know, I wouldn't call that a reach. I wouldn't call that um, a bad pick by any measure uh, by Toronto uh, in, in large part to what you said, Noah, about their track record. I mean, I trust uh, their, uh, their front office to make the most out of Barnes um, because of the success stories of an OG Ananobi, a DeMar DeRozan, um, a uh, Pascal Siakam, like these are all successful players in the NBA. And I think Barnes um, has a chance to be the best of the bunch. Um, but my favorite pick in the top five is obviously Jalen Suggs to, to, to the magic at uh, number five. I mean, he's just a stud. Uh, he's, he is a person you can put in your lineup in week one um, and he'll make your team better instantly. The magic, I think are in desperate need for players like Jalen Suggs of no nonsense winning players um, that they really haven't had uh, since the uh, Tracy McGrady, Shaquille O'Neal days. Um, they do have a kind of a log jam in the backcourt um, with Cole Anthony, Markel Fultz, Jalen Suggs, Gary Harris, um, and I think is uh, and RJ Hampton. So um, it was a bit of a tough um, fall for Jalen because he's you know not guaranteed more than 25 minutes a game off the bat. 
but you know, he's immediately the best guard on, on the roster uh, in Orlando. Um, and I think it's going to be, you know, their franchise uh, centerpiece for years to come. Um, so I a plus pick there for Orlando. I thought they got really lucky um, to see him there at five um, talking. So just, just for the record, Jalen green, Evan Mobley, two, three. I mean, that was also set in stone since the lottery, both players fit in perfectly. And I cannot wait to see um, the uh, Showtime Rockets with Kevin Porter and uh, Jalen Green on the wing. It's going to be must must see TV there. They're the, the league pass team this year where they're always on. But they may not be winning, but they're going to put on an absolute clinic um, athletically. But yeah, let's um, let's jump in uh, right now to picks six through ten. Um, super, super interesting how these picks played out. Uh, because not everyone expected what kind of transpired to transpire. Um, the Thunder threw the first curveball by uh, picking Josh Giddy um, at number six. Uh, you know, virtually nobody expected him to go in that slot. They saw him more as like maybe a tenth overall to to Memphis, um, or maybe even like thirteenth to uh, to Indiana, but. Obviously, OKC sees something in uh, Josh Giddy that not many others did. Uh, you know, 6'8 playmaker. Um, he played point guard uh, for Australia's national team. So I'm a bit confused how his fit will work out uh, with Shea Gildas-Alexander already being their all-star point guard. Um, but again, you know, with OKC being so far out, they're in straight uh, talent acquisition mode. And if they think Josh Giddy was the best available player, then uh, by all means, I like the pick because I think uh, you can never have too many playmakers on the court. Um, he kind of reminds me of uh, of a Lamelo Ball type type contributor, um, where he's going to come in in day one, um, you know, create opportunities for his teammates. Uh, and at six eight, um, theoretically, he can guard multiple uh, spots on the court as well. So um, that was kind of surprising. Um, what were your thoughts, Noah? Yeah, the Giddy pick was interesting. I thought the Thunder had a, a puzzling draft overall a little bit, but, you know, I, there was some smoke that the Thunder were going to go with someone like Book Knight here or, or some other picks. And, and it really just shows that the Thunder have, you know, the cards pretty close to the chest, but yeah, Giddy's an interesting guy, six, eight playmaking. You don't get, you don't see that a lot, but the shots going to need to come along a little bit, uh, only about 70% from the free throw line um, in the NBL last season, um, but put up really respectable numbers and in, in one of the best leagues in, outside of the NBA. Um, so, I mean, the playmaking is real, but, certainly needs to iron on his game. And, you know, the Thunder have, you know, a lot of young guys on the team. They're going to be a, an environment with which, you know, young players are going to be given the time needed to grow. So uh, I think if he can iron out some flaws, it should be a good pick. It was, a uh, you know, still a little bit uh, potentially even overdraft, but I, I think it, it could end up working out. I think the shot needs to come along a little bit more. Um, and, and the defense potentially would need to, to come along a little more as well. But the size and the playmaking is, is something that uh, certainly you don't see with a lot of guys. So I think, you know, it's a, it's a solid there. Um, Warriors taking Jonathan Kaminga, I think, you know, that's just the case of taking the best player left on the board. But it is a pick that doesn't necessarily fit along the timeline the Warriors are playing along, uh, which is also interesting given their their pick at 14 is Moses, Moses Moody, who's a little bit of an opposite there. But um with Kaminga, you get a guy who's not exactly ready to contribute at this current moment of time. Didn't play super well um, with the G League Ignite team last year. Uh, this is going to need that that shot to be a little bit better, um, and the defense to be you know have a, a few fewer lapses on defense, uh, which should help. And I just don't think he's going to be able to contribute right right away for the Warriors. 
Um, and the Warriors are in a place right now where they need to be maximizing Steph Curry's you know, last few years of, of peak talent. So um, what, what did you think of the Warriors pick there? Yeah, I mean, I didn't think they expected to see Kuminga fall to that spot uh, because he was kind of a consensus top five guy. Um, but whenever you have the opportunity to take, you know, down the line, maybe the best player in the draft, if we look back five years from now, it's hard to pass up, especially at pick seven. Um, and Kaminga has the potential to be a two-way force, like a Kawhi Leonard type player. Um, he's not even close to being there yet. He, he'll probably play a lot of his first season in the G League, uh, which is never great for a top 10 pick, especially with a team like Golden State that is, you know, has a championship core. Uh, but I just think it's hard, you know, when, when you're a GM and you see a talent like that on the board, to pass him up, it's just tough. So I don't fault the Warriors for doing that. Um, it'll be interesting to see uh, if they move him because I think, you know, packaging Kaminga, Wiseman, and future draft picks can basically get you any star in the NBA. Um, there have been talks about guys like Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard. Um, for, for Kaminga's sake, I hope he doesn't get traded because going to those unstable rebuilding teams will not be good for his ascension. But um, he landed in a perfect landing spot for his development. He won't be rushed to play right away. Um, and with Golden State, like, yes, it would have been a bad pick if they took Kaminga at seven and then a guy like Josh Primo at 14. Both would have been big projects, but they they were patient and they got Moses Moody, who by all accounts uh, can play in his rookie season. So that to me was a great pick. Um the most interesting pick of the top 10, uh, you know, we can talk about Franz Wagner, but there's not much to be said there. Uh, you know, he'll come in and play off the bench uh, for Orlando. But um, Zaire Williams going number 10 to Memphis, I thought was a huge shock, um, especially, uh, you know, after trading um, the heart and soul of their team in a, in a, a Valanciunas. What's his first name? Jonas? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas uh, to New Orleans. Um, they did that to move up into the top 10, to be in a position to take the player that they wanted. Um, my theory was they were hoping Josh Giddy would be there, uh, but when OKC took him at six, they kind of had to pivot. Um, Zaire Williams had a you know train wreck of a freshman season at Stanford. Super inefficient score um, and is so thin for his frame. Um, that he got pushed around to be blunt in college. Uh, but again, you know, he fits like the Michael Porter Jr. mold of like a six, nine wing that can get his own shot, which, you know, there's maybe eight players in the NBA that have uh, uh, Zaire Williams's uh, physical profile. I was just shocked to see that pick because with a guy like James Booknight on the board, who was supposed to go higher, um, and you take a project like uh, Zaire Williams, um, who struggled putting the ball in the hoop his, his freshman season. Um, it was super puzzling to me. Um, I thought he was the one guy in the top 10 I didn't expect to go there. I, his, his draft profile was all over the board. Some people had him going in the early second round. Uh, most people had him going in like the early 20s, but um, Memphis took a big swing here. Uh, but works out. I'll uh, sound like an idiot because uh, he has a potential to be an all-star, um, but his floor is so low um, that uh, I was just super surprised by that pick. Yeah. The, the strength is just the biggest thing because he can get, he has a free throw shooting percentages to, you know, 
indicate that he's can be, he has upside as a shooter. Um, it's just, he, he's good at getting his pull up. He's tall. If he can get those shots to fall, which is a decent likelihood that that does happen, then he's going to be a great shot maker, but he's just so weak right now that he can't, he has no chance inside the heart to finish at the rim ever. Um, if Memphis can get, you know, use their strength program to, to put on some weight there, uh, then that's, you know, that, that'll, that'll certainly help. It's just, he's not going to get a ton of play time with the, the core they already have there. Although to be fair, Justice Winslow, his option got declined and, and you have Dylan Brooks there as well. I think they, they do have a gap when it comes to that, that three, the small forward spot. So he could fit in. It's going to take some time though. Uh, he had a, you, know, you said a, he had a bad season at Stanford. I would have liked to see Zaire go to some, somewhere a little bit, you know, maybe like an Orlando, um, so somewhere like there where he's not going to be asked to contribute at a high level immediately. So I think Memphis is going to be a playoff team going forward. And I, he's just, I don't think that's he's why I was so there. surprised is like, if you're, cause they're on the cusp of being a perennial playoff contender and he's going to take two seasons to be, you know, what he's supposed to be. Um, and I just thought that whenever you give up that much uh, draft capital, not sorry, that much like playoff ready talent, like uh, Valanciunas, to get a guy who can't play right away, it just seems like a disservice to a uh, John Morant who's like ready right now to be a playoff like guy. And so, I mean, I was just like ready watching the screen, like, oh my god, what a boon for Memphis! Like they're gonna be, be able to pair uh, James Booknight with John Morant, um, and then they do that, and I was just shocked. Um, but we'll see. Um, I also so analysts didn't love this pick, but I loved it. Uh, Davion Mitchell, number nine to uh, Sacramento. Um, their defense last season was like one of the worst in the history of, of uh, the NBA. And uh, Davion Mitchell is the best on-ball defender in the draft. Um, yes, they have in a crowded backcourt with uh, De'Aaron Fox, uh, last year's first-round pick, Tyrese Halliburton, uh, and uh, Buddy Heald. But they can trade uh, like one or two of those guys for more front-court help and put Davion Mitchell in the backcourt. And he'll cause issues picking players like Mitchell who uh, might not have like the offensive ceiling to be an all-star, but you know exactly what you're getting with him. A guy who's going to play outstanding all ball defense. The first day he steps onto an NBA court. I love that pick. Um, and I think he'll play a huge role as a six man in a Sacramento right away. And even if he never becomes like a, like a high level NBA starter, like, you know what you're getting, like, you know, you're going to get, an all defensive type guard uh, who can shoot the three. And those players are just so rare that um, I thought they knocked that pick out of the park, especially after uh, Franz Wagner went one pick before uh, because they were rumored to be taking him as well. Yeah. The, the one worry with Mitchell is when you look at his three point shooting numbers, there's this one year of solid production and that's this past year where he shot 44.7% for three. So if we can keep that sustained, I think that's good in terms of fit just looking at the Kings roster is not fun. They're not blessed with a lot of talent. And I, I think Buddy Heels probably out the door. Another Ben trade talks that I, I, I don't think he's going to be, I don't think he's long for Sacramento. I think Marvin Bagley is probably also out the door. That was, oh man. Yeah. The Kings do not have a, have a good track record, at least in the drafts of the recently, but I, I can definitely see like, there's a fit of having a three guard lineup with Davion Mitchell, Tyrese Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox, because Mitchell will give you the defense Halliburton. 
can give you some off off ball defense as well. And I think they fit offensively. They they take up different roles. If Mitchell can can hit threes at a at a solid pace, I don't know, forty four point seven. That's that's pretty high. But you know, upper thirties, lower forties. I think yeah, he's he's definitely gonna stick. He's a, he's a great defender. So yeah, I think it's an interesting pick. I the Kings are kind of in a tough spot in terms of roster construction. They need to make some moves for sure. I think they they have a a relatively new GM there. So. I mean, it's a it, it's a good pick. It's, I just need to see how that that roster is going to end up rounding out to determine. I mean, how? I mean, he's going to be a good player. It's just hard to know, like, you know, what lineups are going to be in because they don't have a ton of other like forwards or centers that are very good. So he could be playing with two other guards most of the time. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you gotta like. It. I mean, he's you know you know what you're getting. Uh, good good defender. If the if the shooting turns out well, then he's then he'd be a starter. If it doesn't, then probably rotation but yeah yeah that's a great thought because i didn't really consider like they can play harrison barnes as like a small ball four and then if they get a legit center like maybe if they get like a mitchell robinson of enough free agency or like some kind of guy like that then i could totally see uh that three guard lineup working um elsewhere uh more down uh the first round uh do you want to go now into like biggest steals and reaches yeah, sounds good. So I guess what what do you think? Who who would be your biggest steal of the first round? Yeah. Uh so looking up and down the board, I think there are a lot of picks uh that that could warrant that uh discussion. But I loved uh Jalen Johnson, number 20, uh to Atlanta. I, I don't like it's weird because Johnson is uh, one of the most uh, volatile, I guess, prospects in the draft because of how poorly he handled his exit from Duke. Um, people kind of view him um, as kind of a head case and uncoachable, but he landed in an unreal uh, position in Atlanta because of how much depth they have at a, the, the, uh, the forward position. Um, by all accounts, like Jalen Johnson has the talent to be a top five pick in this draft. Uh, you know, he's a playmaking four uh, that can shoot the three and uh, defend at a high level. It's a great athlete as well. I mean, those, those, those guys typically, um, our lottery picks last season, he would have been a surefire top 10 pick. Um, you know, Atlanta already has guys like DeAndre Hunter, uh, Cam Reddish, Kevin Herter. Um, so they don't need Johnson to play right away. I um, mean, he's also great insurance if they lose John Collins in a, a free agency. Um, whenever you have a guy with character concerns like uh, Jalen Johnson, it's tough to rationalize him going in the top 10, but at pick 20, like you're out of the lottery and you take a swing like that. I loved it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we look back uh, five years and uh, Jalen Johnson's one of the top, you know, eight to 10 players uh, from this draft class. Um, also gives them a bunch of uh, roster flexibility. Um, if they want to deal a, a guy like Cam Reddish for more win now talent, they can do that uh, because they now have Johnson on the team. Um, so I thought that was an amazing pick towards the end of the, of the first round. I loved Miles McBride uh, to uh, the Knicks at a pick 36. I thought he was a surefire first round pick. I thought he was going to go to the Knicks actually um, with their first round pick at uh, 21, but he ended up not going in the first round for uh, whatever reason. Um, And I think goes to an ideal landing spot in a a New York where they're going to lose Derek Rose in a free agency and and they need guard help. one thing that I think is a huge skill for rookies to be able to contribute right away is how good of a defensive player they are. Um, and uh, Miles McBride is like one of the sing- he's like one of the top three best defensive point guards in this draft. So 
he will play minutes right away in a New York. And I think he'll surprise a lot of people um, with his ability to like be a high level contributor. I think he can shoot three at a high level shot over 40% from three in college. Um, and also as a defensive menace. And I think to get a guy like that outside the first round is a, is a huge win for the Knicks. Um, and I'm not usually, you know, um, saying that about that franchise. So happy the Knicks um, got that pick right. Um, and then my, uh, my uh, final steal um, of uh, round two was actually, I don't want to keep going back to the Hawks, but to get Sharif Cooper at pick 48 is robbery. Like it's just, it's an unbelievable pick. I, you, I cannot tell you how uh, he lasted 18 picks in the round two. It blows me away. Yes. He's an undersized point guard. Yes. He doesn't play much defense. Um, but you know, guess who else is, is undersized and like, not a great defender at the point guard spot, like Steph Curry, Trey Young, like he, his type of player, it doesn't mean he's not going to be a successful NBA player. And his, and his offensive skill is off the charts. If he was four inches taller, we'd be talking about a surefire top 10 pick. Um, he's the best passer in the draft. Um, and he'll immediately, I think, solve the Hawks issue of playmaking behind Trey Young. Um, he's super similar to Trey Young in a lot of ways. Um, he's not as good of a shooter, obviously. Um, but I think, you know, he fits that roster so well um, because of how he can learn from Trey Young, a guy who he's so similar to. Um, and, you know, three years down the line, I think he'll be one of the best backup guards in the NBA um, and a guy that could start on a lot of teams uh, down the line. So I love that pick. I mean, I think the Hawks were huge winners in this draft. Um, got one more. I mean, it was Cameron Thomas, 27th to uh, Brooklyn. Uh, Cameron Thomas, I'll just be quick here. Uh, Cameron Thomas was, uh, he was the, he led all of freshmen in D1 in scoring. He averaged 23 points a game. Um, he's an absolute bucket getting guy. Like he, he's a, he can fill it up in like a Jordan Clarkson type role. Um, and the Nets, I guarantee did not expect him to be there at all. Um, and to get him as like a second unit, um, shooter and, and playmaker, I think is huge for their team. Um, he's got to be disappointed because I guarantee he thought he, he, sh he should have gone higher, like right outside the lottery. Um, but you know, there's nobody better for him to learn from than James Harden and, uh, Kevin Durant. Um, he won't play much right away, but give it three seasons. Um, and I think Cameron Thomas might be, uh, like one of the top 25 to like 30 highest scoring guards in the entire NBA. So, um, I love that pick for uh, Brooklyn as well. Yeah, I think you hit on a couple good guys there. I have a couple more, but just to touch on the ones you mentioned. Uh, yeah, definitely Sharif Cooper, getting him that low. I mean, he's he averaged 20 points a game in the SEC. You don't, There's not a lot of players like that, and you're not getting those guys in the, in the second round, like all, almost ever. And you have him as a backup guard, and the defense is hardly there. The, the shot's going to have to come along, certainly. Only 22.8% from three is, is not encouraging, uh, but – He's, he's going to have the ability to grow and work with a lot of young guys and, and a team that's certainly you know, progressing through a, a young roster. So hopefully he can get that shot ironed out and he's going to be one of the best, you know, live, live ball passers and, and shooters if he can get the shot to come along. Uh, and then also Jalen Johnson, I think it's a good pick. It, it's hard to evaluate a lot of the freshmen who have come up in tough situations this past season because the season's been so weird. You know, I don't think anybody likes having a guy quit with seven games left in the season. That's not quitting that's not retiring because of COVID that's you know quitting on your team in my opinion but I, he has a talent to be you know top 10 guy at the start of the year without this without the season going by so definitely a great choice there 
Cam Thomas has been one of my favorite guys. You just don't get guys who score like that uh, late in the first round. Um, the, the guy I was going to point out was Jared Butler going 40 overall to the Utah Jazz. Uh, yeah, so you have a guy like that who's got you know one of the best handles in the draft as a, as a shooter is going to make the right play, uh, decent on defense as your backup guard. I think it's a, a great pick for the Jazz uh, you know, early in the second round. I mean, I don't think anybody thought he's going to fall to 40. He just had some, some personal health issues that, that came up um, in the draft combine process that you know, precipitated the fall. But I think he's going to turn out to be one, one of the steals of the draft. And, you know, I think Baylor's guards this year have, you know, turned out well. And it, it's a shame Butler didn't get taken either. But the, the Jazz walk away with the, the steal of the draft, in my opinion. I also like, you know, the Pistons or actually the Hornets taking uh, JT Thor at 37. I think that's an interesting pick. You know, having a long, you know, a, a long guy, the, the value of having the, the wing guys like JT Thor, who has really great fluidity at his size. It's just he's really raw at the moment, I think, you know. The, the Hornets aren't in contention necessarily at this point in time. So having a guy like that with the physical tools and getting him in the second round is, is, is pretty incredible. I mean, 74% free throw shooting. So that, that's pretty good. Um, it's just, he's young, he's 18. So if he can get the shot to come along, you know, iron out some, some of the flaws in his game currently get a little bit of a tighter handle um, and, and figure some things out. I think he, he could be, he could turn into a big steal. You know, he was pretty, you know, fluctuated along certain draft boards, but I think it's a good pick, at least at 37 when you're when you're really taking swings like that. Um, I'm looking through the rest of these. I think, you know, the Celtics taking, you know, on Beggarin, the decent, you know, draft and stash, a guy who's got a lot of physical tools, but certainly not, you know, not ready this year. Uh, were, were you a big BJ Boston guy? What were your what did you think of that? I did like him. Uh, I thought he went to a great landing spot. Um for the Clippers because he'll be able to play in the G league uh, right away. And he has no pressure to play with Paul George and uh, Kawhi Leonard being there. But I thought it wasn't really a steal because he went kind of where I thought he would go. Um, he was just so far off in college that I thought there was a chance he might go undrafted. So I'm happy that the Grizzlies got him at 51 or the, I think it was the Clippers. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you're uh, you're a Jared Butler call is great. I, like forgot about that. He what a pick. Like, yeah, I don't understand how he fell to 40. I think teams overthink stuff so much and they shoot for the stars on guys who are super athletic and have NBA frames, but can't like put the ball in the basket, which is a big deal. Um, Jared Butler is gonna be like they just resigned Mike Conley, so he'll be their backup point guard right away. Um, amazing pick. Uh I also thought uh, the Spurs drafting Joe Wieskamp at a 41 was great value. Don't love the fit for him in uh, San Antonio because of just how many guards they have. Like they have six guards right now that are going to need minutes. Um, but uh, he was kind of a good makeup from their miss in the first round uh, of Josh Primo. I think Wieskamp will play before Primo, um, which is kind of wild considering he was picked 28 picks later. Uh but yeah, that was kind of all I had for steals. Um, there were obviously a lot of reaches as well. Um, so I can just quickly talk about those. We don't really need to mention Primo uh, because of, uh, you know, he's 18 years old. Like the most, I, I think he's like, I think he's the second, if not the youngest player in the draft. So he's not going to be ready to play for three seasons, I would probably say. Um, he was a fringe first round pick. And I thought, uh, considering like how valuable the 12th like pick is 
if the Spurs wanted to draft him, not trading back is kind of ridiculous because they could, they could have gotten him, you know, 25, 26 as well. Um, so that was obviously the easy pick to say, um, I, I hate to like, I hate to do this. Um, I'll talk about the next guy later, but I don't like Jeremiah at uh, 32. I'm just going to say it. I mean, I love him as a player. He's an amazing uh, Villanova guy, uh, was a big reason why we were so successful the, the last two seasons. It's a super un, unpopular thing to say that he's overdrafted, but you know, basically they used a borderline late first round pick on an undersized non three point shooting power forward who isn't like a lockdown defender. Uh, Jeremiah is going to be a glue guy in the NBA for 15 seasons, but I don't think he went to the right place either. Like he, he would have fit so well, um, you know, on say like uh, later in the, in the uh, like second round to the Sixers or um, even the Nets at a 44 because of how he plays his role so successfully. Um, but, you know, in going to OKC, uh, he'll get minutes right away but he's not going to have high quality veterans to lean on. Um, and considering the other players on the board, uh, just for example, for OKC to pick, like, you know, they could have taken Miles McBride, Ao Desumu, uh, Jared Butler, <laughs> Sharif Cooper, like all these players that were um, plunging down draft boards. I thought that it was a weird pick for them, especially because they had later, later picks in the uh, second round if they wanted to take him later. Um but then, like, obviously, a huge one as well was the Grizzlies. Uh, they traded back into the first round uh, with the last pick of the first round and took uh, Santi Aldama. Um, you know, I had never seen his name on a, on a mock draft, you know, first or second round. Uh, it makes no sense to me. I mean, he's like an undersized, like, mid-major power forward. <laughs> It doesn't, I, I'm still like kind of at a loss to what they were thinking. I, I don't think he'll play a role at all this next season. Um, and, and I could maybe like not see him playing in the NBA for five seasons because he just doesn't really offer much. He's a, he can shoot the three. Uh, that's really about it. Um, and to take him over guys like even Jeremiah, um, JT Thor, Isaiah Todd, uh, all these guys that have so much more potential. I was just shocked at that pick. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those were kind of the the, the biggest ones uh, for me. Um, overall, I thought, you know, teams did a pretty good job in, uh, like, like evaluating value um, from what I'd seen in the draft. Um, yeah, that's kind of really all I had there. What do you think, Noah? Yeah, the Aldama pick is interesting. I hadn't heard of him either before the before he was ended up drafting. Uh, reading about him now, it seems like he was one of the most dominant players in a lower league in the NCAA last year. And I, I think Memphis is going to be sending him to play in Spain as a draft and stash pick. He is from Spain. So I think he'll be playing overseas for a little bit before coming to the NBA. Um, so I think that may be a potential explanation for, for that draft. It's, it's still kind of weird to trade up to stash somebody, but you know, if, if it's your guy and they, they think they can get something from him, I guess. Um, I, I would have to agree with you. There's not a ton of guys who I'm looking at who I'm like, Oh wow, that's a severe overdraft. Um, I didn't think Marcus Zagorowski was going to get picked. I don't know why the Nets took him. I doesn't really. I mean, he can make threes, but the defense, I don't think, is ever going to be there. Um, yeah, would you have any thoughts on that one? I totally. Yeah, I totally agree. Made no sense. Um, I think he went the pick right after uh, Sharif Cooper, so I'm sure the Nets were hoping he'd be there. Um, oh, that would have been a great. Oh man, that's but like tough. a bunch of players actually went undrafted. Like if you know Aaron Henry, I, I have no idea why he wasn't picked. Uh, 
like three and D wing can shoot the ball, plays lockdown defense one through four. Uh, he's going to the Sixers. I guarantee he makes their opening day roster. I would have taken him over like anybody in round two besides like five or six players. So total steal uh, there. Joel, um, yeah, I'm looking down the draft board right the now. Um, Luca Garza, I was surprised got picked. I know he's a amazing, like one of the all time great college performers. Um, but he will never be able to guard a pick and roll ever. So his NBA role is basically confined to a stretch five that can't play defense. Um, and I thought that, you know, he feasted on smaller players in college just because of how big and imposing he is. Um, that was his game, that brute force kind of game. He's dropped like 25 pounds, so he doesn't even have that anymore. Um, and I, I just was surprised that he was picked at all because, um, you know, he's just such a defensive liability um, that I don't think he'll ever be able to play like more than 10 minutes a game. Um, and uh, so I was just surprised by that. Uh, Dalano Banton got picked uh, by the Raptors kind of as like a worse version of Scotty Barnes, like six, eight kind of point forward, but he was totally inefficient in college at Nebraska. I was surprised to see him go where he did. Uh, what else? Um, I love Ayo Desunmu going to the bulls, the hometown kid from Illinois. That's a great story. And just besides that, like it was great value. Like he could have gone in the first round easily. So they have a backup point guard right away. Uh, you know, I'm just super overall, like I, like we can talk quickly about like overall winners and losers, but I'm just so excited to see these guys in the NBA because I'm looking down the draft right now. And like, there's guys picked late in round two that I think are going to be like very high level NBA contributors. Um, and I just like think this draft class is going to go down as like one of the best we've seen because there's just so much talent up and down the draft. Obviously you got your franchise changing top five guys, uh, you know, Suggs to, to Cunningham, but like, the fact that like um, a guy like uh, um, what's his name uh, Jalen Johnson went twentieth overall to me is just wild because he he has all star upside. Usually that could, that's a lottery lock. Um, Jared Butler, I, well, we talked about it before, but wow! Like Scott Drew was on the the ESPN coverage of the draft, and he was like, um, he was just kind of upset on how teams were not taking him, like. Uh, the Jazz, like, I know they ended up with uh, Jared Butler, but he could have easily gone number 30 overall to the Jazz, and I would have still called that a steal. Um, but, yeah, like, I'm just so excited to see this. Um, we can kind of go now into winners and losers overall. Um, I'll start off with my biggest winner is the uh, is the Charlotte Hornets overall. I thought they were huge winners uh, combined with the number of players they got um, as well as their value. Um, to get book night outside the top 10 is a steal uh, because he was basically a consensus top 10 player. Uh, he was rumored to be going six or seven to either OKC or uh, Golden State. Um, and he's an ideal backcourt partner to, uh, to a LaMelo ball because of his ability to shoot the three. Um, it allows them flexibility to be able to trade um, either Terry Rozier or Devontae Graham. Um, but, you know, the Hornets have a great young backcourt in ball and a book night that's going to be deadly for years to come. Um, I'm, I'm not sure they were glad to see him there. Uh, and then they, they traded back into the first round. They acquired um, the Knicks uh, first of their first round picks uh, for two heavily protected first round picks down the line and got Kai Jones. Um, I wasn't super high on Kai Jones as a lottery pick just because he's not ready to play like inst instinctual wise. Like he doesn't have the NBA IQ 
um, to be a positive player right away. Um, but he also has potential to be like a Miles Turner type player in the league and an ideal lob threat uh, for uh, Lamelo Ball's passing ability. Um, what makes him special though is he can shoot the three. He shot, I think it was like 35 or so percent from three at Texas. Um, they don't have to play him right away uh, because of their depth in the front court. Uh, they have PJ Washington and a uh, Mason Plumley, so they, they can afford to wait one or two seasons on Jones to get ready. But when he is, uh, they can walk away from the first round with two starters um, down the line, which I think is obviously a win. Um, and then, uh, like you said, to get JT Thor at pick 37 um, also is a great pick. I think, you know, there are not many players in the league that can block shots and uh, shoot threes at 6'10", and that's what JT Thor brings to, to the table. So love that, that, uh, that value there. Um, my second biggest winner um, was the Houston Rockets. Um, and I'm not just saying that because they had a high pick. Um, obviously, they uh, they they got it right with uh, Jalen Green at a uh, number two. Um, but they also had, I think it was three more first round picks. Um, they ended up taking Alperin Sengun at 16. Uh, I'm not a huge Sengun guy uh, because of how people were talking about him in the lottery. But there's no ignoring his production. And I think... Um, Houston is a great fit for him because they're going to need all the production right away that, that, that they can get. And that's what Sangoon will bring to the table with his skill level. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, be their uh, starting power forward or a uh, center in, on day one. Um, and then they had two, I think, awesome balance picks uh, towards the end of the first round picked Usman Garuba. Um, who's one, he offers nothing offensively, but, He'll be um, kind of like a PJ Tucker in, in uh, the NBA, where he'll he'll be put on the the other team's best player, and it's just an outstanding uh, d- defensive player. Um, total like kind of win now guy, but a guy that that they can use, you know, for ten seasons. Um, and then also took Josh Christopher, uh, who's a super high upside guard from Arizona State, um, five star recruit, and uh, down the line, I think he can uh, realistically turn into their starting uh, s- s- small forward or guard. Uh, which is awesome to get um, after the lottery. So they were my, also a, a huge winner uh, for me. Yeah, definitely agree with the Rockets pick. I mean, when you when you have four first rounders, I, I mean, they did make good decisions at all 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 four all four of those picks, in my opinion. But still, they're weird. Um, or still, still good drafts overall. Um, I, I do want to look at the Pistons. Um, I mean, they get you know you obviously get the eggs. You get you get um, Kate Cunningham at one overall, which you know obviously there you go. But then they took Isaiah Levers at 42, which, you know, interesting. But then Luca Garza and Balsa Koperbica in the late in the second round. I mean, it's hard to, to bash two late picks, but I don't know what the Pistons' obsession is with centers. They already have Mason Plumley, the, who they overpaid in the first place. You know, Luca Garza, they signed Kelly Olenek for some reason. It's strange why they're drafting so many centers and why they're not going for like the rangy wings. I mean, you look at, I mean, it, it, they had limited availability late in the draft, but you know, why not? Why not take a guy like Aaron Henry, who I guess could have been angling to go undrafted to pick his destination, but still, I think they, they had some different options late in the draft. I think the Warriors did a good job, although they just took like the guys that fell to them, Kaminga and uh, and Moses Moody. I think are are, are really solid picks. Um, whether they actually end up playing for the Warriors is a different story, but I think you know, good job of just taking the top guy on the board, at least you know from consensus. Um, those would be those would be my main picks. I, I like the Rockets draft; it was a little bit kind of different. But um, who did you think you know may have come away with 
I think the Thunder had a really strange I was draft say, overall. Thunder, um, because whenever you have, I think, what do they have? 18 first round picks over five seasons. That's just wild. Like at some point, you're going to have to use that in the draft to move up to get the elite talent. Um, you know, they could have easily offered Toronto like four first round picks to go up and get Jalen Suggs, who is a much better prospect to me than Josh Giddy. Um, but that's not even the issue I had. Like they took four players in the draft. Um, Josh Giddy, who plays point guard, not too mad about that, like I said. But then to take Trey Mann at 18, I thought was a bit of a reach by itself. But another point guard when you took Shea Gillis Alexander's backup in the lottery. So now you have three first round point guards who aren't going to be able to play with each other. Um, obviously I, I, I talked about Jeremiah, which was a weird win now pick. Um, I, I just thought that they're, they, they, they panicked when teams weren't ex, like accepting their trade packages um, and then took a totally like disjointed class um, that I think is going to be weird on day one, because I don't know if they got like, I bet Giddy will start day one, but like, I think they only walked away with one starter out of this draft, which I think is wild. If you have four picks, especially with a class this deep. Um, so they're a big, a big loser for me. Um, I just was shocked at what they were trying to do. It didn't seem like they had a plan, uh, which is my biggest issue, obviously. Uh, but then I'll also go uh, um, with the with with uh, the Grizzlies. Uh, like I said, you know, I, I thought they overdrafted Williams at ten, and then blew everybody away with Aldama. Um, I didn't understand why uh, the Spurs took two guards. Like I said, with with like four guards already on the roster that need minutes. Um, who else? Like uh, the Raptors, I guess. You know, I would have taken Jalen Suggs. Um, the loser not to have him on your team. Yeah, and then taking Delano Banton and David Johnson right for Sharif Cooper. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I again, I, there's. It seems like, oh, especially like looking at a lot of these picks. It seems like, I mean, a lot of these make sense to me. Um, yeah. Okay. See, I, mean, I think's my my like most obvious loser. Uh, but um, you know, Sam Presti has to have a a plan. But you know, at some point, you're gonna have to start turning in these draft picks to like, like optimize your talent or trade for like veterans uh because you just like physically can't keep 18 first round picks on your team uh i would have loved just like like as an example um if if uh they could have even after giddy like if you take giddy out of the equation like i would have loved them um later in the first round to package let's say like picks uh what did they pick they picked 16th uh 16th and uh, 32 maybe packaging those two picks uh, to get up three more picks um, and get like a Corey Kispert or, or like a, a, um, a, a um, Jalen Johnson or like, you know, those, those kind of guys that have super high ceilings, but don't have to like play right away um, because they're so far out still, like they're not going to, you know, compete for a playoff spot in like two to three seasons. So taking a swing possibly on a Jalen Johnson, a Keon Johnson would have been awesome. Um, so yeah, I think I think they just missed the mark, uh, but time will tell. You know, one one last thing I like to include is just Josh Primo is taken twelfth, and there was a lot of talk about how young he is compared to the following pick in the draft, Chris Duarte. There are five like over five years of age difference between Duarte so and crazy. Primo. Chris Duarte is older than Brandon Ingram. Is that oh wild? Oh my goodness, that's that's crazy. Bad. 
but yeah, we'll see how this works out. Obviously drafts are crap shoots uh, and there's no sure thing. Um, but it's always fun to uh, just talk about your like initial reactions. Um, and uh, like I said before, I think this, this draft in particular um, is going to be one that kind of defines the league, you know, six years down the line, because um, the top five to six guys could all be all-stars and that's, you know, tough to find in uh, one draft. So yeah, that's kind of all I got. Yeah. Same. It was good to, good to break down the, the most recent picks and I'm not gonna lie. I've been, my phone's been blowing up with free agent. I know we, we have a lot to get through uh, our next show. Um, just uh, so you guys know, uh, the next show will be um, probably later this week. Um, and we'll recap uh, the MLB trade deadline uh, for you baseball fans, um, as well as uh, this first wave of NBA free agency. Yeah, well, a lot going on. Sports sports season never really ends. So uh, thanks, everybody, for, for tuning in today. Mm-hmm.